0: Welcome to What The If. Philip Shane here, uh, documentary filmmaker, with you each week. Uh, My co-host, Matthew Stanley, is on assignment. Uh, I can't reveal where he is, but uh, all I can report is that it is is Earth-based this time around. It's not always. He he gets around. Uh, But we have, like, a crazy special show. Crazy, awesome show for All of you today, Um, I'll I'll introduce each person one by one, and you're just going to be blown away as the panel assembles itself here in the What The If global, international, intergalactic uh, studios. Our first guest, Brett Bonowitz, also documentary filmmaker. Is that how you would... How would you... Describe it. Um, and yeah, go ahead, Brett. How are you?
1: No, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you for having us. Um, yeah, I just describe myself as a filmmaker. I've made fiction films before, documentary films. I'd like to be able to, you know, move back and forth kind of between them. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I like to, you know, be uh, claim to be a part of the team too. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Team, team documentary, team truth.
1: truth in cinema.
0: And, uh, meeting you, connecting me with you was like a super thrill um, when that when I first connected with you uh, because you, it's, it's interesting. As a documentary filmmaker, I'm always looking at the other documentaries. And it doesn't happen that often, but every once in a while you see a documentary and you're like, oh, I, 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 in another universe, I'm making that same thing. Um, and so uh, I had fallen asleep one night watching YouTube. And woke up. And the YouTube recommendation engine or the thing just kept, you know, one video would end. It just automatically plays another. And I woke up in the middle of, I believe, the video about Don, uh, Don Davis, space artist, who is here. We'll be bringing in one second. Um, and it is this, you have made a series. You've made, well, it's, it's an ongoing series. You can explain to us. And it's called Artist Depiction. And basically, you're doing art, like, uh, bi- biographical profiles of the great space artists? How do you define it? Yeah, I mean,
1: I I think like the easiest way to kind of, you know, go through the series is that there are, you know, profiles of uh, artists who have done work with NASA is how I think I initially built it. Um, And, you know, we've we've broadened down a little bit. I think everybody has still done something for NASA at some point. Um, But I think, you know, we're we're starting in on a series three now. And I, I think we have at least one Person in there that uh, doesn't necessarily have a link to NASA, but you know they're uh, like half-hour profiles. Uh, you know, hopefully, very immersive, intimate profiles of these artists and their work.
0: Right, and series one is we'll put links up on the website uh, when the when the episode goes up. But I think were you saying series one is now available on YouTube and
1: or- we have we have Don Davis's um, film up on YouTube for free, kind of like as a, like a little you know appetizer. See, so right. see if you like the series, and then um, you know we have the uh, the films are available on uh, Amazon, uh, Vimeo, and uh, a science streaming service called Cine.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yes, yeah, so please introduce introduce our guests here today. We'll, we'll begin with your appetizer, Don Davis, who is far more boy. It's a big appetizer. It's a big. Appeti- it's a big um, that's beginning with an entree, I would say right off the bat.
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Um, you want me to, to actually introduce him? Yeah. Yes.
2: Welcome. Um, so
1: yeah, Don, Don has done work for what over 40 years. Um, and uh, you might be most uh, familiar with him for through, you know, his work with Gerard O'Neill and on uh, uh, space settlement work in the 1970s. Um, he also worked with Carl Sagan uh, on Cosmos, uh, amongst many other uh, works. Please welcome Don Davis.
2: Well, hello there.
0: Hey, Don, uh,
2: how are you? Wonderful, this is my uh, bedtime after a, a long night of very uh, productive work, I, I must say. But uh, it's good to be here, good to see all of you. Good to see you, Pam, good morning. Good morning,
3: nice seeing you too.
0: Yes, and so, and so that 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 was actually a beautiful segue, Don. Thank you very much to bring in Pam. Um, Brett, would you... Flesh out our, the rest of our panel here, our incredible guests.
1: Sure. So, Pamela Lee also did work uh, with Carl Sagan. Um, let's see how uh, you're the first woman to win the uh, uh, Lucien Rodeau uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm trying to remember a, a couple other things that are escaping me at the moment. I wasn't prepared to introduce them. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> Pamela, you can introduce. So, uh, introduce. how would you describe yourself?
3: Well I also worked with, uh, with NASA, I was on their fine art team and uh, ultimately engineered uh, a uh, team to go over to Vicanur on an exchange wow. to watch a launch. Wow, uh, introduce them to Soviet space artists um, and work with Sagan even after uh, I had done uh gone over with him in, in 87 uh to the Soviet Union um, he continued to use my work so i have a digital painting on mars i'm sure don does too uh,
2: yes in indeed
3: yep yeah. so we're i'm in good company with don <laughs> that's
0: amazing are those all, it, is it the voyager i'm um, not voyager is it the viking or what uh, craft are they on
2: Uh, The Phoenix Lander. Phoenix, okay. They put a little mini DVD containing uh, various Mars-related works of literature and art. Yes. And uh, sound recordings as well, including the War of the Worlds broadcast from Orson Welles. So the little time capsule there that uh, supposedly someday some future explorers could go there. And pick it up and play it. Even though, by the time they get there, it'll be about as current as the uh, Edison cylinder records are to us today. But uh, exactly, it's, it's there. Now here's a crazy
0: coincidence. So one of the producers of that pro- that DVD project is a friend of mine who I'm working with now, and he was. This is all so coincidental. He was on this show. He was on this show just a few weeks ago, um, Blake Lewin. So he and he had worked with. Um, he had started. He was at Warner Records at some point and uh, worked with Carl Sagan on creating the terrestrial release of the Voyager records, the sounds of Earth, right? And um, then they went ahead and then he worked with. Um, I'm trying Lombardo. Is that his name? The uh, anyway, whoever worked on the on, was the one of the leaders of the Phoenix project. So. That is awesome. All right, so here's our. We're going to jump right into our. Here's our speculative. As I mentioned, what we do here is we we. Uh, it's called what the if, and which basically is a what if kind of program. We ask a question: What if blank blank blank? Um, but we call it what the if because we feel very strongly. We have a lot of attitude about the ridiculous places we put ourselves in the universe and the crazy situations we create. And I thought it would be fun to uh, imagine what the if you legendary uh, artists of space environments uh, could be at one of the locations um, where maybe you have painted or have always wanted to so let's find a spot where we can all go together and um, Pamela, I'll start with you. Where is, it? what would be your, if you could right now go to one of the, a location that either you haven't had a chance to paint or you did in the past and, but you know, a place you'd really like to be to do the painting from life, so to speak.
3: My first choice is Mars. It's not the only choice.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Choice is Mars. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Don, would you like to go to Mars as well? Would you choose well, Mars? Where would you go?
2: I would, I would choose Mars, but there are other places that I would rather see that are more compelling to me visually, uh, at least in theory. And one is the center of the galaxy. If there was some safe location, one could l- look at the center, the central black hole with the gas spinning into it and the stars orbiting it at, at crazily close locations. That's where I'd like to go.
0: Pamela, would you be up for that?
2: Certainly,
3: if you have some way of protecting me so that I can bring along my paints. and.
0: That's right, yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That is. Um, these will be the most well-protected art supplies ever. <laughs> 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 so we'll go, and you mentioned Mars. So let's say we'll go to a Mars-like planet uh, orbiting close to the... Um, Supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy. Is that right, Don? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sagittarius. <laughs> well, a, 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 amalgamation yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd um, settle for Mars. But I would certainly settle for Mars. And uh, location on Mars, I guess, would be the question. Where would you like to go on Mars, Pam?
3: Hmm. Oh, I'm completely open. Like I said, you were talking about uh, other locations. I like asteroids. I like comets. Um,
2: those are pretty fascinating to me too, but yeah comets have have really proved to be exciting places now that we've gotten close up pictures. I remember well, both of us were doing concepts of what uh,
3: mm-hmm.
2: a a cometary service might look like, and uh, it's so rewarding to finally get some some real world uh, finally have photographs looks.
0: of yeah. that area
2: yeah
0: absolutely so let's do that let's put, let's go on to a comet then near the center of the galaxy? This is a crazy question because we don't even know if such a thing exists. And would the comet... I'm going to say that the comet is going around a star. Uh, or w- where, where? what scenario would you like? This is sort of the last piece of the little puzzle. If we're on the comet, is the comet going around a star close to the center of the galaxy or is it simply orbiting the black hole itself? It
2: would be better if it orbited the black hole because it's going to get perturbed away from the star if it's uh, too close. Right. Uh,
0: okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. See how that's it. We're done. Uh, we have the biggest budget in the world. And here we are on a comet. Um, what kind of, there are different kinds of comets, I believe, or do, do we are, do we know enough about them to differentiate them in that way? That's a good question. I don't, know if,
2: if, I don't know how much they vary compositionally, uh, physically they have a, a variety of shapes, but a lot of the ones that we've seen are, are they appear to be variations of the uh, double planet, uh, you know, double world kind of a thing. Two objects stuck together.
0: Yes, 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 like a potato, a potato type thing. Um, so, alright, so both of you are going to set up on a comet. Now this is something, here's something interesting. When I imagine the sort of stereotypical view of a of an artist or a painter, you know, is someone uh, at an easel on, in a landscape of some kind, perhaps, right? Um, so is, is that how you would prefer to paint? Or, or am I guessing, like, you know, you're all doing digital work and things like that, too. So how, using your, you know, your current way of working, uh, what is that setup like, and how would you arrange that on the surface of a comet? Assuming maybe we
2: have a little habitat that we've built there. Well, you're talking weightless conditions, basically, so uh, True, yeah. whatever your media of choice ha- is going to be has to work around that, but I guess in theory, that could be a, a, a good range of traditional media, oils, acrylics, uh, you just got to worry about inhaling stuff if you try to use things like uh, chalk or pastel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I
3: kind of think that if you were going to do plein air, you'd have a lot of Velcro, get all your Prisma pencils (laughs) wrapped around your leg, be holding your notebook, make some very quick sketches, and then get into the habitat, and there you can deal with it. Probably um, a notepad, you know, working digitally would be the the
2: really obvious way to work. Oh, certainly, certainly. And I I would say that uh, really the way I... I would probably do it, I would have a sketch pad and make a lot of visual notes, yeah. very rough drawings and make a, you know, a drawing, this part's darker than that, this is a certain color difference than that. And I would take photographs uh, too. I've, I've gotten lazy in my decades. I use the camera a lot as a sketch pad, but uh, ah, yeah, then when the, when the uh, impression is fresh in my mind, you go and make your digital or, or physical media painting as quickly as you can.
0: Right, right. Now, Brett, uh, fortunately, this, uh, mission of the arts and science, uh, also has a documentary component. And so Brett, oh, is, fantastic. There. Brett is there documenting it. I am along merely as your sound person, uh, you know, whatever you would and your, you know, productions, I'll bring you coffee, whatever it is you need, uh, <laughs> in, in the little, uh, squeeze pad, squeeze uh, bag. So, uh, what needs uh, do you have? How are you going to document them? So they're out they're out they're both out doing some op- initial observations and sketching, and uh, you're going to film them in this well, cometary situation.
1: I'm assuming we're probably going to need like some serious lights, right? That might be a <laughs> thing.: you know? um,
0: Well, that's a question. So it, we are in the center <laughs> of the galaxy, right? Is it It may be bright. It may be so bright you can't sleep.
2: It's bright, that? but it's probably bright in a lot of wavelengths you don't like either. But we're talking okay. about <laughs> an ideal scenario.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's also. Well, yeah. I guess, yeah, then otherwise, you know, I, I mean, if it's limitless budget, I assume the IMAX camera in weightlessness is probably going to be okay on, on my shoulder or something, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of film, uh, definitely, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you're taking care of sound, so I'll you know leave that to you, I guess, for what equipment to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I mean that that sounds really wonderful to be able to you know photograph something like that, and especially the idea of you know an artist capturing that, and then you know myself, I guess, capturing the artist at work, you know, mm-hmm. put, interpreting that large you know I, I think a lot about um, how, how much of art is just about the frame and how we tell stories and it makes uh, 360 video games really hard for me to understand because I'm like well where guide me where am I going you know right, right. Um, and so that's so much of the artist to me is the frame and whether that's in a film or in a painting uh, that that process of, of process of elimination you know so if Don's looking at something and Pam's looking at it they might pick Completely different things to see, and I suppose that's what I would want to be capturing with my camera—is how how they're seeing what is there and how they're interpreting that.
0: Yeah, I gotta say, you just gave me goosebumps having the image of being able to see an artist or, or a you know, pair of artists at that—you cra- know—at that unbelievable location um, painting it. Like how beautiful that is. That's that's really wonderful.
2: So, and what you are you? A, and- Impression, f- a frozen bit of hard copy of what what it meant to each of us uh, yeah. and how we expressed it. So it's like a mental communication. That's what art is. It's almost a form of, of hard copy telepathy in a way.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um, what sub? So, so if you can imagine, um, Pamela and then Don, what might be the subject of your? One of my first questions, actually, I realized would be, how do you compose, you know, how do you choose a composition when you have so much around? I always feel like narrowing that down must be uh, a challenge.
3: Part of the process is uh, generally when I go out, um, um, I'm down to where I'm doing little thumbnail sketches, and I mean very small, just to get the composition. Oh, interesting. That to me is the light, the dark, and... um, any kind of um, phenomena, you know, it, with these outbursts on, on comets, you know, how does the light play through that uh, spectral phenomena, if any, is there? Yeah, and, yeah it's wow, just...
0: Do, do you look for a... Um, uh, is Because, like, to the extent I do something that would be akin to more still art, because um, usually I'm doing movies and things, but uh, maybe architecture or something, or I, you know, I enjoy landscapes. So I, I'm looking for some central object or something often that to sort of ground the uh, to to, uh, to work the composition around. What kinds of things would you look for?
3: Well, I again, I I like uh, how the light and shadow play, and let that right. that's that's critical to the composition. Um, Interesting. Interesting. So make it evocative. Um, choose what what gives me chills which may be very different than what you know don is looking for or a cinematographer is looking for so Brett me compose that entirely differently as as Brett said yeah perspective on it what
0: well, so what will, in in your thumbnails what what what's, if we were sort of glancing over your thumbnails what kind of things would you be uh, sketching
3: well something i had wondered about some ago and maybe Don can straighten me out on, on or, or make suggestions about the science, but I've always wondered when you, when you have an outburst, you have a lot of crystals, you've got ice going out there. I'm thinking about a stony stony comet. Um, is it possible to end up with sun docks? Is it possible to have, you know, would that be, how, how, how interesting would that be?
2: So, um, that, that would affect me, that kind of thing. Um, those are the kind of things I'm hoping that uh, some future probes will get a chance to, uh, uh, to show us. And, uh, yeah, as far as, like, sun dogs, those require a- alignment of the ice crystals. But I think that they, they would be kind of random. But they might make colored halos around the sun, colored rings. I, I, that's my... Theory of that they might do. Um, did a painting like that.
0: Say again, Pamela. I,
2: I did a painting
3: like that, as a matter of fact, where there's you've got a halo going around the
2: uh, around the sun, like colored rings near the sun. I don't think there'd be like a 22 degree halo or sun dogs or anything like that. But uh, you know, that's part of what you'd go there to find out. There's uh, another thing that I think would be visually appealing is the dynamics. Uh, there would be particles floating around you all the time, like in random directions, as well as, as stuff spraying from the, from the vents, as well as very, very fine mist. One thing they've got to do one of these days is get a video camera that can shoot 30 frames a second to the vicinity of an active comet. And When they can do that, I think they'll, they will find that uh, there's stuff there that justifies uh, the effort of taking in such a camera, the dynamics and such. I think those are the kind of things that, you know, a human being just there, you, you would be struck by that at once, and that could very well form the basis of uh, a, a painting you would do that you wouldn't even get a hint of from most of the photography. That, that's far as far as composition, light and shade, you'd make all those decisions once you were there. And it, part of what you're, you're doing there, you're gathering impressions, and they're going to fall into place in your mind, and you're going to uh, put those down and... and yeah, you know, each person's gonna interpret that and express it in a in their own unique way.
1: Yeah. I have no idea the practicality of this, but I, I had this idea a couple of years ago where cameras are, you know, like so tiny now yep. that you and again, no idea of the practicality of this, but um, you know, some idea of taking, you know, I don't know, a hundred thousand small cameras and then launching them into space and yep. you know, sending them in certain general directions. And then seeing like what, what we can capture before we lose communication with them, but they're so small and so light that, you know, you would think they'd go on forever.
0: I I don't
1: know how, how long we could, you know, maintain contact with it or how practical it is, but definitely, you know, you just want to see more and more images uh, come back and, uh, you know, I always feel like that's so strong to see that
2: really quickly, aiming yeah. the camera straight into your direction of travel so you can see yes. if, if you're cu- coming up on something that gets brighter and brighter, that would be the way to go. They should do that with New Horizons as well.
0: Yeah, I must say. Actually, and we've had, uh, by the way, a few times we've had uh, members of the New Horizon uh, team on and um, talked a little bit about that. But yeah, uh, I must say, as, as a, somebody who loved movies, in fact, left science because it wasn't, you know, they were, I also enjoyed movies and um, I've been waiting, and I thought that by now we would have been getting, been able to get actual video, like maybe that the rovers would have, you know, at least full. As you said, thirty frames a second. They, I said for fifty frames.
2: I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, that's you, right. Go ahead. You, you, you pulled a chain on me because yeah. they have a t- <laughs> a, They've got a ten frame a second video capability on yeah. the uh, rover that's up there now, and the shame is they never use it.
0: uh Uh huh. Uh huh. Is this this is on, like on the on the pan cam or just on the navigation?
2: It's uh, part of the mass cam and a, a ten frame cam. a second. What they should do if they could predict a day when it's going to be uh, somewhat windy.
3: Yeah,
2: I know there's practical considerations and everything, but if they could get a sequence of sand, of dust blowing across the surface of Mars, yeah. to show it as a dynamic thing. But yeah. especially if you're kind of looking kind of toward the sun, so the dust just is brightly lit from forward scattering. Just a sequence like that, even like ten, twenty seconds long, would do so much to make Mars into a real place in people's minds.
0: Yeah, I'm That's with you. And there, you know, there are and there are some very low frame rate um, uh, dust devil oh, oh, yeah. movies that they have. But but yeah, it's it, it it We've yet to get to the place where it feels really real. And the other thing is, look, we have VR now. So like, <laughs> I some point, we're going to be able to get uh, well. Even 3D, you know, they do. They do, right? The guys who drive the the, the people who drive the rovers are use 3D glasses and things like that. So on, let's go on our comet. We're back to our comet, and um, uh, Pamela, you have kind of set, settled on on a particular um, painting or image. Do you call it, what? What do you say? I uh, are you you consider yourself a painter, or is it a painting you're doing, or images? How would you describe it?
3: I'm. I'm- I love digital, particularly now because it's so powerful. However, I would miss pushing paint around with a brush. So, yeah. All right. So
0: you've got paint. You've got paint there.
3: Yeah, you know, and it have to be well. That you know, as you say, gravity would be a real issue. Exactly. How would you use acrylics? And like I say, I'd have to learn about digital painting really fast. give up the brushes, give up the paint. Um, Has anyone
0: painted on the space station?
3: I don't think so. There may be people who have done sketches, but what do you think? It's like
0: an oversight. Somebody needs to get on this. I don't think so either.
3: That we, what we need is an artist. That's what we (laughs) need up there. Um, Simply because we view things differently. A little differently. It's like a cinematography. Yeah. You have camera angles that most people wouldn't consider and it gives more information, makes it um, uh, a more three-dimensional, a richer viewpoint.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting that when Don, you were in your, oh, sorry, say again, Pamela.
3: Rather than a tech, <laughs> you know, somebody who's strictly the hard science and no imagination beyond that. I'm not dissing science. It's critical, but um, art is the language uh, that's universal.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And um, uh, one of my favorite programs, I guess, that ended up not making it, maybe at the last minute was didn't Carl Sagan was going to have a microphone on one of the rovers. Um, now, the air is so thin, I'm not sure exactly what you would have heard, obviously. But that was an idea. I mean, maybe that was a the reason they canceled it or something. But I always thought, you know, the idea you'd at least be able to get, you could listen in. There's something about that real-timeness. Um, when, when you were talking about the images, how they might look to you from this comet, um, it really struck me that, what, here's what I love, is you guys live at that uh, fulcrum between science and art. You know, you're interested in what's actually going on, not just the look of it. Um, not to diminish just the look of it, of course, but and how it feels to be observing those things, but also the kind of little bit of the you know the natural processes that are happening in there and and things like that um, so who might have uh, might you find yourself in a situation where you were also doing some science like might you be you're observing there, and so maybe they've given you some um, thing or you know uh, or is that that uh, maybe that's too much? Uh, that'd be too much of a burden for you, other than setting up devices or things like that. So you you would go along with a team of six of scientists, I imagine. Yeah. I,
3: yeah. I, I think that it is beneficial. It's something that contributes to the science.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They could give me a sample bag. I'd, I'd sure put in any kind of samples that looked like, uh, you know, there were of a variety. And, of course, the act of taking photographs and video would, would also be into the science wing of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, we're, if we're this close to the black hole, are we experiencing time dilation?
2: Not significantly. Not okay. Not significantly. Uh, I mean, from a sort of survivable distance. I mean, you have some very close swing-bys, and, you know, you're going to have quite a show around you. There's glowing nebula and uh, gases interacting with the black hole. And, uh, of course, you're surrounded by an unbelievable number of stars. I mean, you're you're talking like uh, uh, tens of thousands of stars brighter than anything in our skies, in addition to many, many fainter ones
0: yeah (laughs) now um uh both of you have people in your paintings and it it, you know a various scale or depending on the subject or something like that and um uh, for instance pamela you have some magnificent pictures of like the astronauts paintings of the astronauts Mm -hmm. in 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 process and um don with you i I feel like i particularly of of your o'neill habitats kind of things I, i think of the people there um and in a way, like the opposite end, like there, I know one of the big things in those drawings is sort of the ordinariness of the people um, versus the astronauts who are highly specialized and things like that. Uh, let's say you are able to, let's say there are, there are other people with you. So on this, this whole expedition has gone out there. Um, who, who would each of you like to include in your paintings? What kind of person and what might they be doing?
2: Well, anybody to give scale to it, uh, you know, may, especially if there's some closer than others, maybe one on the hor- whatever it passes for the horizon. I think it would help to help provide a sense of scale. Yes, yeah. I would
3: have a different approach because for me, uh, it's not just what you're seeing, but how the human interacts with it, how they experience it, and that's the direction I take in
1: my painting.
3: Why I do the astronaut portraits?
2: Yeah. It, um, I think that's yeah, it's, uh,
3: I think that's relevant. You know, I understand the scale, and and when I started in in uh, doing astronomical art, that's what most paintings were. You had you had a figure that sort of acted as a way of understanding how large a feature was on the planetary surface. But I just have a slightly different interest i i want to be out there but i want to know how humans will react to it um and that's what i like to portray
2: so it's it an amusing thing yeah.
0: sorry <laughs> no, right. pamela if we just imagine what kind so uh imagine um what do you see, when when you think of this imagery what do you see in your mind one person a group of people uh Men, women, old, young,
3: any. Um, it depends on it depends on what I'm trying to convey with the landscape. As I say, the landscape is you know, gorgeous. I can. Yeah, the landscape would be very exciting. But uh, as I say, a response. the The series on the astronauts was more a way of I wanted to document those people that got us into space. I mean, we've. We've left the cradle, but not permanently. We keep going to the cradle. Uh, But um, there were particular people that I wanted to honor. Um, And I've always liked the idea of being able to um, visualize or portray someone uh, and their reaction to the environment in which they're in. Uh, So... I got off on a on a tangent where I started doing uh, uh, cl- more close ups of faces with a reflection of what they're observing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the landscapes are tremendous, but I like putting it within the context of how a human reacts to it.
0: Yeah, that's really fun. I, I find that your the, you know work of the faces and how you know. A great artist like yourself can do can do that can convey a story through. I mean, it's one thing to have an actor or, or you know if an actual person goes out there and you have a photographer, okay. But to 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 just be creating that from within yourself is astounding to me to create that the image the, that we can see the feelings of the person on it. Um, yeah, and so Don, who are you imagining? I like I, I like the idea of you're imagining someone for scale. Would you imagine one person or uh, several people or
2: a group of people? Well, more than one would probably be uh, ideal just to have somebody close enough uh, uh, to kind of relate to and somebody maybe uh, on the local horizon. But there'd be uh, a lot uh, of, uh, just, just hearing that this discussion makes me think if you're on a comet, you're almost weightless. So there could be some kind of amusing things to see where somebody's like, Kind of floating topsy-turvy, or maybe they've got a piton driven into the surface with a line and they're reeling themselves back in. And uh, when you're talking about people in spacesuits also, uh, unfortunately, with almost all of the Apollo video and photography, uh, we didn 't really see people 's faces on the moon we We saw this mirror image only a couple of times uh, did we actually see them lift the visor up and we could relate to a person talking on the moon with in the last mission um, Harrison Schmidt did that for a brief period of time so that would be a, a something it would be important to be able to show a person 's face, which, which Pam has done so beautifully. In, in some past occasions. That's something to keep in mind. If Even if you have to cheat a little bit, just open your visor, just click, and then put it back down for safety. It would, would have meant so much, I think, to popular uh, appreciation of, of space flight, especially the moon flights, if they'd been able to to see a face that they could relate to of somebody speaking to them from the moon.
0: Yeah. I, I, I kind of yeah. think that now oh. with our selfie culture, I think that's just going to happen on all the whole trip. It's going to be all these... Pictures of people taking pictures of themselves. to <laughs> get a lot of places. Or <laughs> were you going to say, Brett?
1: Oh, I, you know, looking through a lot of like Apollo imagery for several projects now, like I every time looking at it, I'm like, I wish I, I understand for practical reasons, they couldn't send like a photographer, you know, like a professional photographer to, to do a lot of this stuff. But I, I would love to find out if they had any, like if the astronauts had any like lessons, even just like an hour long lesson with a photographer. Um, Cause you know, there, there are so many things though, that like, I would have loved to have seen that, you know, obviously it wasn't captured because they were there to do other things. Yeah. But, you know, just certain frames that you'd love to see. And then, you know, you look through, I've looked through a lot of, you know, NASA archives of just like everything that was photographed during Apollo. And and so many of them, it's like things are out of frame. This is, at, you know, this is on the wrong setting. This is here and there. <laughs> and and you, you wish they just had like a, a little bit more or they sent somebody, you know, that that was their job. I think just for the relationship of the, the population um, and their, I don't know, perspective on space, you know, the, those images and that film is so vital. And even just to see, like, um, uh, was it Apollo 11 that came out last year? You know, seeing that, absolutely yeah. extraordinary. My my 10-year-old daughter saw that and loved it, you know. Yeah. She was immediately, like, was like, we did, did, we did this? Wow. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, so there, there's such strength in, in having, you know, a good visual component to it and having that kind of, uh, frame and and expertise to the frame uh, within that again not a diss to the astronauts but you know uh, it's interesting
0: you said because yeah you really felt the giddiness in some ways of the I mean particularly through the sound I mean they did I know that the filmmakers made that just did an unbelievable amount of work um, combing through the audio uh,
2: things go ahead uh, they had they had minimal training by the way in photography not as composition or any of that stuff but especially things like making sure they obtained 360-degree panoramas here mm. and there, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But, yeah, there were certain things. If only they had put their arm out and shielded the suns from uh, – cast a shadow on the lens when they were looking toward the sun, little things like that. Of course, you're not looking through a viewfinder either. They're, they've got the camera mounted on their chest. So um, – there were wide-angle lenses, they're relatively wide-angle to cover their bases, but yeah, that's the one thing I think about. If only they'd covered the sun up for some otherwise uh, wonderful photographs that they, they did in that direction. Yeah, version. yeah.
0: I think as, as we start to wrap up, I, uh, this has led us to a really interesting place, which is um, uh, the sense that, for instance, the people uh, we scientists uh, are... And perhaps as they should be, but by nature, you know, um, emotions is something you need to put a check on, right? That this is the kind of thing you need to actually, ru- in some ways, rule out, just because you want to be, you know, you're you should be objective about what the data you're gathering. Um, and also with Apollo, you know, they were, for instance, and many of the a- astronauts, at least in the early days, they were military people, um, and so you know, there might, they, it's not that they are anti-emotional, but like, it's like, we're here to do a job. It's very much like an engineering, um, uh, ethic, you know, and, uh, and I love engineers and and astronomers and all that very much. Um, but the artist is, I feel like part of, maybe Pam, you can speak to this you, you were kind of talk leading towards this is bringing something that is totally off the menu for these, these other, like, we, you know, the Apollo astronauts were not sent there to capture the, their emotions or to convey a sense of emotion. Um, what is it that you um, are bringing? Or do you not even, maybe you don't even need to define it, you just do your work and then it, it resonates. But
3: uh, Define it, but um, I guess some point of relating to the environment, that's the obvious, but also um, that you are also reassessing your, your place within the solar system, within the cosmos. Um, uh, I'm going to go back to, I've got like two favorite paintings, but I'm going to go back to the one of Jean uh, Cernan, which was just before he ascends the ladder to the lamp. And he's taking one look back, um so the what what is the emotional connection to that environment and the fact that actually the apollo astronauts those paintings that i did um it's a black light white world that they've come to uh the moon but we are creatures that evolved on a planet of color and um so no guys no, so it is so alien, even though that is it, so close to us, but how do we relate to it? And I think that's where having a figure there.
0: Um, sorry that you just dropped out the last word, the last one word. Is sorry. that having, having a.
3: It plan? just having, having that figure there allows actually a, a, an understanding that, okay, this is an alien place, but we are able to relate to it. And how do we relate to it? So it's a little more of a humanist uh, way of looking at outer space. Like, I want us to get out there. Um, yeah. It won't be easy, but I want us out there. And I, I was very disappointed when the, the um, I'm talking too much. But basically, no, 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 no. When we didn't keep up, didn't keep moving out farther. I, yes. Wished we. I sort of thought we might be on Mars, but now actually, yeah. I if I'll be around by the time we do get out there. So,
0: you and me both. Um, I, and I'd like to get there before the sports cars arrive. Yes. That like to- <laughs> <laughs> Not that I didn't. I. I got to say, I think I, I don't know what you know. Uh, people have different opinions about Elon Musk putting his sports car with a mannequin in it in space. I actually thought it was like one of the most amazing, almost pop art experiments. Yeah. It, I mean, it was like, wow, here's something that's truly just... You know, like it, it was an artistic yeah, it, expression. It, was it,
1: very, it made incredible. people. It made people, you know, look at it and and be like, "Wait, this this actually happened?" You know, I, I saw yeah. more than one person ask, "Are we sure that that's a mannequin in there?" Um, you know, and, and yeah, it gave this this incredible visual for people to kind of attach to again. It reminds me almost, in some ways, yeah, you're right. It is a great piece of pop art. Um, you know, thinking of like Don's uh, uh, space settlement work. You yes. know, like it's something yes. that activates the the cultural imagination. You know, just being like, "Well, oh, wait, maybe what 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 else can we do? Can we do this like now?" You know, yeah.
2: yeah. That was yeah. the uh, Falcon Heavy launch, wasn't it? With the uh, car,
1: I believe that, so. That, yes. That
2: yeah. with that launch, I got to say, when I I saw that launch and those two boosters landing in in unison like that, that that brought back the Apollo days to me. I wept when I watched that. It was. Oh, so did I. That, that so did tugged I. at my heart. And I'll, I'll, uh, that, I was so grateful to him for bringing back that feeling. And it looks like we will live to see people on the moon again. That's the one thing that when Apollo 17's last EVA was winding down, I went outside briefly and looked at the moon out there in the sky. This was in Connecticut, and there was snow around me. And I thought, wow, there are people on that moon at this instant uh, and then I wondered how long will it be until I can say the same thing again? I'm still wondering, but it might yeah. be happening sooner than later.
0: I think it, yeah, uh, I do think it is. I, I feel very fortunate. I got through the NASA social program. I got to go to, um, I got, uh, the crew, the demo one launch for the, uh, crew dragon. So the one that tested the rocket before the uh, astronauts went up and we got to meet some of the astronauts and, that, and it was a night launch, which was the first launch I'd ever actually seen in person. Stunning. Um, uh, lastly, Don, I have to, I, 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 I just can't believe I have the opportunity to talk to you about all, all of this and I would love to do it much more than we have time for, but, uh, I've spent my life, uh, looking at the people in those, in, in your, uh, Gerard O'Neill habitats. I mean, I just, as a kid, I would just, and, and I had the book, right? There was like a publication, which somehow I had found in a books, used bookstore, I don't know where. So they were big format pages, but you know. The, the, the images that you capture the the images you painted are just so vast, and so I would take a magnifying glass and I'd like and now of course I can pinch and zoom but like I want to see those people. So what did you did you uh, what when you were putting those figures in, what was uh, what were some of the things you were trying to convey? I mean, for one thing, it looks like you were really having fun because like there's literally like a cocktail party happening in one of the frames, I think.
1: I believe that's, that's one of Rick's paintings.
0: Oh, is it? <laughs> I see Don's face and he's like, there ain't no cocktail party in my mind.
2: No, I just tried to, uh, first of all, I, I assembled photographs just of, of people doing things around me. In fact, I would right. shoot a lot of Super 8 still frames and project them and, and trace them. And you would, I would capture a lot of uh, figure studies in, in action that way. Uh, but I just yeah. tried to make it look like a, a wide variety of people. I tried to make it something that people could relate to and yeah. uh, people from all, all over the world as well. And, and the, especially in the painting where they're building the Bernal sphere and you're seeing uh, kind of an exterior view. You look at all the little people there, you'll see uh, all kinds of people and such. And uh, it's uh, it was a little bit of a microcosm of the world that's going to be migrating out into space one day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and what is if you could be inside and here's, the, here's the last pop question pop quiz for each of you. If you could be inside one of your paintings, which one would it be?
2: <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge painting with the bay area transplanted into a rotating closed ecosystem.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Pamela, how about you? Well,
3: oh, I got to go back to an, uh, either an asteroid or a stony comet that I would like to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And having two bodies that are coming close together, and you get to watch that kind of action. Yeah, you know. yeah, beautiful.
0: Well, thank you for both. Thank you both for taking us on this uh, this journey. We have gone wide and far in space and in time. And what I love is that the black hole was, we didn't even bother with, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a black, there happens to be a supermassive black hole up there, but you know, it's
2: it's tough. Yeah. It's tough to capture. (laughs) Well, foreground stuff where the people can be walking around in it too, where we're occupying our attention. Of course, there'd be stuff to look at around you. Oh Oh, Yeah. yeah.
3: Oh, I, I, Thank you very much uh, for having me on. Thank you very, very much to Brett for making this series. Most of the times, uh, most of the time artists are sort of rewritten posthumously. Um, they're, they're, they're given all kinds of
2: characteristics. Yeah. Yes, not the same. I'm so grateful, um, absolutely. I'm so grateful these films are being made to help, yeah. help us space artists to not be forgotten.
1: Well, thank yeah, you guys I'll, for participating.
0: Yeah, and for putting the real faces. I mean, even like I, when I started watching the thing, I was like, it just you know, I knew the paintings, but you know, didn't didn't realize that even meeting the people was actually a possibility, and and you know, you could have this privilege. So yeah, I, I think Brett, that series, uh, and I encourage everybody to to um, check it out. It's called Artist Depiction, and uh, we want we'll to just give one last shout out where they can find it.
1: Brett? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, series one is on uh, Amazon Vimeo and the science streaming service Labocine. Um, and series two will soon be on Amazon um, and uh, is also on Vimeo and Labosini. And then, yeah, the first episode uh, with Don Davis is available on YouTube. You can just, you know, search artist depiction by Don Davis and you'll be able to find it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Great. And I, I hope someday to meet you in person in three dimensions uh, with full frame rate and and all that kind of stuff That'd be <laughs> wonderful. So, uh, sure. Uh, thank you again for the privilege. And I know our audience is going to love it too. So, uh, I hope you all stay well. And I hope all, all of you who are who listen, we have a audience, we have a global audience all around the world. Um, stay in touch. You can email us at feedback at whattheif.com as always, or you can go to our website, whattheif.com, or you can uh, listen to all our episodes there. And, uh, big, big thanks out to uh, Kyle Crichton. Uh, Howard Jung and Ilya Jung for all their help uh, in gathering additional material which they put up on the website and for doing the artwork and the sound mixing and all that awesome stuff um, and a uh, special shout out to uh, my co-host Matt Stanley who will be back next week with many stories to tell I am sure now we have a ritual, none of you know this we, uh, I don't think, um, maybe Brett you know we have a ritual at the end of the show in which we imagine, we never know what the what the if what the if will be next week because it could be anything. And uh, when we imagine all these ifs coming at us, let's suppose as if they were being hurled towards us by Sagittarius A, the supermassive black hole, A-star at the center of the galaxy, and we cannot help but scream very slowly the name of the show, like, what the if?" So this is a ritual we have and everybody who's listening around the world they they know this and they're warming up their vocal cords right now. And so we shout to the universe envisioning with all the visions that you you guys have given us your your whole lives and my whole life in our hearts. And we scream one two
3: three
0: four five six seven eight. See y'all next week.